0: Our second reading for this morning is 2 Timothy chapter 1, from the beginning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father, And Christ our Lord I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers recalling your tears I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also He has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we have done but because of his own purpose and grace this grace was given us in christ jesus before the beginning of time but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our savior christ jesus who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel and of this gospel i was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher that is why i am suffering as i am yet this is no cause for shame because i know whom i have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what i have entrusted to him until that day what you have heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in christ jesus guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Fidulus and Homogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he, is, he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus.
1: Well good morning Cornerstone. Uh, For those of you who haven't met me yet, my name is Michael Risk and I'm part of the ministry staff team here at Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. A warm welcome to any visitors that we have joining us today. Uh, Today we start a new series in 2 Timothy. Uh, Please have that passage open in front of you and let's commit our time together in prayer. Please pray with me. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to His second letter of Timothy, Father, we pray that you would be with us. Father, we pray that by your spirit you would be teaching us and that your word would be illuminated to us. Uh, Father, I pray please be with me as I preach your word this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. The pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, are personal pastoral letters from Paul to his much younger colleagues, Timothy and Titus. And Paul is writing to Timothy here while he is in prison in Rome and Paul is preempting that this might be his final correspondence between him and Timothy, that he may soon be executed by his Roman captors. And he sends this letter to Timothy to encourage him to persevere in the faith and in particular in gospel ministry as I opened up 2nd Timothy I wondered what might have been the correspondence between Paul and Timothy up until this point and I want to suggest that Timothy would have known about Paul's situation for Paul says to Timothy you are aware that everyone in Asia has deserted me we are also told that Onesiphorus is aware of Paul's imprisonment And so I think it's safe to say that Timothy would have known that Paul is in chains also. So I wonder, what would have been said between Timothy and Paul up to this point? Has Timothy perhaps communicated his fears, his worries, perhaps saying to Paul something like this? My beloved Paul, my bed is filled with tears knowing that you are are in chains for the gospel, and things do not bode well for you. Tears roll down my cheeks at the thought of losing you, and as I dwell on what might happen to you, it causes my very insides to ache. I wonder, my beloved Paul, how will I go on without you? How can I continue serving these people in Ephesus? Without you to depend on, how do I keep going? How do I keep serving? How do I keep living out the gospel? I don't know how. And I fear on my own, I am not strong enough. Have you ever felt like this? That the curveballs of life have caused you to think, I can't go on. It's perhaps what Timothy is feeling as he reads this letter that he is going through tough times tough times have been caused by his situation and Paul writes to him here to encourage him and by God's grace this letter has been given to us has been preserved for us that we may too also be encouraged with the words that Paul is sharing with Timothy Paul's message to Timothy is to remind him that he is not alone that he is not alone and this message is said to us also the message Paul wants to remind Timothy is that when he was saved by Christ he was equipped by Christ and he is continually being equipped by Christ so Paul's message to to Timothy with this encouragement is a message to hold firm to the gospel to hold firm to the gospel and in our passage today Paul encourages Timothy with these three things first God has gifted you God has gifted you second God has saved and called you God has saved and called you and third God has given you godly examples God has given you godly examples These will be the three points that we're working from. Let's start with our first point. Point number one, God has gifted you. Paul, perhaps aware of Timothy's concerns, writes to Timothy to persevere in the faith and to keep persevering in gospel ministry. And Paul grounds this letter with these words in verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul starts with a call he himself has been given to go and preach the gospel and declare to those around him the saving work of Jesus and Paul is doing here what Paul is doing here is that he is highlighting the sovereignty of Jesus it is Jesus who has called Paul to this work and for Jesus sovereignty Paul wants that to be seen by Timothy and for that to be Timothy's comfort and encouragement for this is Paul's comfort and encouragement that Jesus is in control and Paul begins comforting and encouraging Timothy with these words from verse 5 he says I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you. I want to say that I love, I love the testimony of Timothy. I envy Timothy's testimony. I sometimes when we speak of our conversion story, we think we need to have a conversion story like the Apostle Paul, that we once were against the church. We had a life overlaid perhaps with all types of sins, sexual immorality, drugs, maybe even imprisonment but then we had that Damascus Road experience where we, just like Paul, had a pivotal moment of no longer walking down a path of sin but then we were walking in line in accordance with Christ we gave our life to Him Friends, I've heard testimonies like this and they are powerful stories of God's power to change lives I also love the powerful story of a child growing up in the Christian home knowing Jesus every day of their lives their lives are marked by a lifetime of repentance having from birth been taught to turn away from the things of this world and taught to follow Jesus this is what Calvin said concerning Timothy in his commentary he said he had been educated from infancy in such a manner that he might have sucked godliness along with milk that from birth from his earliest years Timothy was taught the scriptures taught by his mother and his grandmother it's a wonderful testimony and Paul says this teaching which you have received clear in your life. How does Paul see? How does Paul see that Christ is so evident in Timothy's life? It's the gifts God has given Timothy and recognized by Paul in the laying on of his hands. It's Timothy's works. A saving faith will always bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Kim mentioned last Sunday as he preached from James chapter 2 that saving faith will always produce good works. So when you see that you are turning away from your sin and turning to Jesus, that you are growing in your love for Jesus. This is an indicator that the Spirit is bearing fruit in your life when you see that you are growing in your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ, that you want to see them grow in godliness and maturity, this is an indicator that the Spirit is working in your life. If you have a growing desire to make the good news of Jesus known and that you are sharing it with others, this is an indicator that the Spirit is working in your life. And Paul sees this. Paul sees this in Timothy. He sees how God has equipped Timothy by the Holy Spirit to teach and to share the gospel. And it's here that Paul further encourages Timothy by saying, fan into flame the gift that God has given you. How does one do that? How does one grow in their Christian faith and the gifts that God has given them? Our uh, Westminster Confession of Faith gives us one answer. In chapter 14, section 1, it says this. Let me read it for us. The grace of faith whereby the elect are enabled to believe to the saving of their souls is the work of the Spirit of Christ in their hearts and is ordinarily wrought by the ministry of the Word, by which also and by the administration of the sacraments and prayers it is increased and strengthened what our confession is saying is that the Holy Spirit is the means in which we are given saving faith it is he who also will be the one who strengthens us in our faith and he will do it through the ordinary means of grace that we've been given and I want to say that's first and foremost through the Word, that the Spirit will work through the Word, through the preached Word, through the Word being read, the Word being taught. In other words, it's immersing yourself in Scripture. This can be done by reading God's Word for yourself. It can be taught Scripture, having Scripture expounded and taught you. It can also be studying God's Word with others. Uh, friends, this is a great reminder for us to keep the embers of our faith alive by immersing ourselves in Scripture, reading God's word and hearing God's word. For the Spirit will work through these ordinary means. He will work through Scripture. As our Westminster Confession of Faith says, and as Paul says here in verse 7, for the Spirit of God, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Our friends, we need the Holy Spirit. We need Him to work in our lives so that we can live out the Christian life. Paul is thus saying to Timothy, saying to us, as we read these words, if you are facing discouragement, the Holy Spirit will help you. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but one who will empower us with love, power, and self-discipline. He who called you will continue to equip you. And we see this much more explicitly in our second point. So point two, God has saved you and God has called you. Look at verse 8 to 12 with me. Paul says, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us This is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul says, don't be ashamed of what God has done. Don't be ashamed of how God has saved you, how God has called you to a holy life. Paul is saying, don't regret what you have been given in Christ. For the Christian life will mean hardships. It will mean suffering. But we see Paul is not ashamed. He is in, in prison. He is in chains for the gospel. But he is not ashamed. Why? Because what he has been given in Christ. Christ has given his grace. Now, grace is one of those Christian words which simply means God's undeserved kindness. That not by any work we have done or anything innately in us, God's children, His saints, His people have received His undeserved kindness. And this undeserved kindness is the knowledge that Christ has destroyed and conquered death for us, that He has given us life and light. The gospel is the good news of what Jesus has done in response to the punishment of sin What he is doing in the Christian's life in combating sin And what Christ will do at his return and how he will fully deal with sin The gospel is the declaration of the life, death and resurrection And continual intercession and return of Jesus In whom we find a message of hope to the problem of sin and not only have we been given new life in our Lord Jesus our Lord Jesus has called us to a holy life verse 9 says he saved us and called us to a holy life and Paul lives out this holy life with the work that God has given him namely that of a herald an apostle and a teacher of the gospel and he is not ashamed he has no regrets because he knows who he believes he knows what Jesus has done for him and the hope that is stored up for him in heaven that Jesus will guard the deposit that he has entrusted to him his very life god has jesus life in his hand god has paul's life in his hands it's not his roman captors it's god And God will continue to have Paul's life until the very end. So Paul says to Timothy, trust in that. Trust in that. Trust in the one who has you. The one who has saved you. The one who is helping you. And will continue to help you until that final day. And also pray that God will grow you in a trust That God will grow you to trust in that by his spirit. Paul says, trust the knowledge that he holds you, that he guards you, that he protects you, and that he is enabling you to live out this holy calling. Timothy lives out his holy calling as a pastor. But is Paul just talking to Timothy, the pastor? Or is he talking to all of us? talking to all of those who trust in Jesus to live out this holy call. I remember this letter has been preserved for each of us and so these words are also given to us. Andreas Kostenberger in his commentary says this, For Paul, a believer's salvation and their Christian vocation are closely intertwined. And this isn't just referring to work. It's not referring to just what we do between nine and five. It's our very lives. Each of us have been called to a holy life. He who called us out of darkness and into light has called us to live a life in accordance with the gospel. And the word holy, that word holy just means set apart. That we would live lives distinct from those around us, having been transformed by Christ, having been transformed by his word, having been transformed by the gospel. So friends, think of the roles that you have been given. Think of the roles that you have been given. A husband, a father, a wife, a mother, an engineer, a teacher, a nurse, a student, a son or a daughter. In these roles that the Lord has given you, he has called you to live out a holy life. To live out the holy life that you've been called to distinctly different from those around you. How do we do that? Well, let's just give one example. And I'm going to use the example of marriage. How might marriage be seen in our society? Or perhaps like a partnership. Dividing up the roles and responsibilities. That one partner is responsible for these things, while the other partner is responsible for those things. But what about God's people? How have we been called to marriage? Well, it's more than just a partnership but it's a life a life of sacrificially submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ husbands and wives have been called to sacrificially love one another while submitting ultimately to Jesus and that's the Christian calling living a holy life in submission to Christ and we do this In the roles that we have been given. And now this will be hard. No one said it was going to be easy. Some might even say on our own. It's impossible to do. To live out the holy call. And that's because we aren't supposed to do it on our own. We are to do it in the strength and power of Christ. By the Spirit who empowers us. He will continue to help us to live out this holy calling that we have been given and the roles that Christ has given us. The Holy Spirit will continue to help you. Verse 13 and 14 says this, What you have heard from me, keep keep as the pattern of sound teaching with the faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit in us. Timothy is told he can keep living out this calling as a pastor because he doesn't guard this deposit alone. He does it with the help and power of the Holy Spirit who lives in him. And this promise is also for us. This same Holy Spirit will equip us. He will equip us to live out the holy life. As you guard the gospel and as how you live out the calling you've been given, Friends, we don't do it alone. We shouldn't do it alone. We should do it in the power of the Holy Spirit given to us. Our Old Testament reading was about Moses, who said to God that he could not do this work that God was calling him to do. But what was God's response to him? You won't be doing this work alone, for I will be with you. He said to Moses, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Prince, God will not leave his people alone. He will be with them. He will teach them how to live out this calling. This is God's promise. And Jesus gave us a similar promise at the end of God at the end of Matthew's gospel. He said, "And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." So friends, pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to equip you. When you are feeling that it's all too hard, that the curveballs of life are just too much, pray for his help. Pray that he would equip you and trust in the promises of Christ. Paul then has one final bit of encouragement for Timothy. And this brings us to our third point. Point three, God has given you godly examples. At verse 13, Paul reminds him to continue the example which he taught him. In other words, remember Paul's example. Remember how Paul has modeled to you how to live out this holy calling. And at verse 16, you can, help, you can have help and find help in Onesi for us. Look to his example and ask him for help. Uh, What a helpful reminder for us to look at godly examples that have been set before us. To find help in those God has given us namely our brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's think about this for us for a moment as we think about the roles we've been given, our work in the roles when given in leadership, in parenting, in studying, wherever God has called us to serve who are the godly examples that God has given us? After college, after I finished Bible college at the end of last year I knew that I would need this, a godly example in how to um, be a minister and so I sought out a mentor, a minister who has walked this path before me and has done this for many years he has helped me through a variety of situations he has been a help to me and my family so what about you as you live out the roles and the calling you've been given is there a person who can be an example to you and it doesn't necessarily need to be someone older just someone who can set a godly example as Paul said to Timothy in his first letter don't let anyone look down on you because you are young but set an example for believers in speech in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity and there are people around us friends who can also be someone whom we can rely on, our brothers and sisters here around us. It's such a blessing to be part of a church and God gives us people whom we can depend on and I think one of the best ways in which we connect here at Cornerstone is through our growth groups. We are so blessed at Cornerstone to have a number of growth groups that meet throughout the week. And our growth group leaders have been encouraged to lead our gro- and grow their members in the gospel. Our growth le- group leaders are to facilitate gospel relationships, facilitate gospel studies, and are to facilitate gospel-centered prayers. A growth group, friends, a growth group is a great way to find people whom you can rely on. Let me end now with this. Uh, there will be some people here in our church who have come here today wondering how they can keep going. How they can keep living out the call that God has given them. Being a Christian mum, wife, father, husband, teacher, student, and seeing it as just too hard. Uh, perhaps this is you. It's my prayer that each of us have been reminded by Paul's encouragement to Timothy that the one who saved us and the one who has called us to this holy life is continuing to equip us. Overall, Paul is addressing our concerns by saying, Look to Christ. Look to Him. Look at His sovereign work. Look how He is in control. Look at how He is at work in you. And be comforted that He has given you His Spirit who will help you to live out Your calling. Abraham Kuyper, a Dutch theologian and statesman in the 19th century, famously said, There is not a square inch in the whole domain in our human existence of of which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. So let's trust in Christ's sovereignty, friends. As Paul did, let's be encouraged, especially when we find life difficult, to come to Christ to depend on Him. Prince, He is sovereign. He is in control. He is the one who called you out of darkness and into light. He is the one who has given you this holy life meant to be lived distinctly different from those around you. And He is the one who is equipping you to live that out. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you We thank you, Lord, for how you have saved us. Father, how you have taken us out of darkness and into light. Father, that we have become your adopted children. Father, we thank you also for the calling that you have placed on each of our lives to live out the gospel, that it would be seen in our lives. Father, you know that often it can be very hard to do this, to live out the calling that you have given us. So we pray, Father, by your Spirit, continue to work in our lives. And Father, we pray also that we would continue to come to you, asking for your help and trusting in your promises. Father, we pray, be with each of us. Help us to to love you and to walk in your ways. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, musicians.